Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, a top-rated wine podcast that's all about the wine, the people, and the stories of Paso Robles Wine Country. Our podcast is for anyone at any level of wine. We don't shoot over anyone's head, but we have a ton of people in the industry or with plenty of wine knowledge that are coming back to learn as well, especially when it comes to these stories that make Paso so special. I am your host, Adam Montiel. Well, today, I hope you're hungry because we have two of the most hottest new names in the Paso food and wine scene here. Actually, maybe I hope that you're not hungry because Tim Cook hasn't figured a way how to shove food through your AirPods or speakers yet. But I promise that this conversation will stoke your appetite for good, real, and honest food. You remember when like a new kid would move to your school? And every so often there'd be a new kid that would come into town. And uh, when the new kid was both really cool and really nice, you're like, awesome, this, this could be a new friend. And both these folks are of that cloth, and we are just glad that they are in town, and I'm excited to introduce you to both of them today. If either of these are new to you, I promise they will be on your next list of things to try next time you're downtown Paso. And if you are lucky, maybe you know about them, you're in the know, you will love diving deeper to see what makes them so unique and so appreciated early on in their journey here in Paso. The Paso Market Walk is a pretty new feature and addition to Paso. It's on Upper Spring Street. It's pretty much the whole block between 18th and 19th, and it's like this mixed-use, small makers, local purveyors from really everything from brewers to bakers, cheese shops, gifts, grills, ciders, in addition to our two guests today. Now, there's a lot there, and I'll tell you at the end how you can learn more about Paso Market Walk, even how you could stay there. And really the bookends to Paso Market Walk are my two guests today. On the south end, Paso's newest Mexican food dealer, I say it like that because I am addicted to good Mexican food, is a place named Finca, F-I-N-C-A. Finca is this old house that looks like it's well over 100 plus years old. Super pretty outside. I have pics I'll post. We will meet Diego, the owner and heart behind Finca, which he does with his wife and family. Now, their kitchen wasn't open the day we went to record, so we ended up going there last Friday to really dive into the cuisine. Ooh, man, oh man, this is special food. Great seafood selection, fantastic tacos, the oysters, good Lord, you might never have a better oyster again. So much going on on this Mexican menu that does take a lot of freedom playing with the landscape of what we do so well here. And that's, I mean, produce, meat, seafood. I mean, I guess kind of everything, right? Like I had duck al pastor tacos. Now, even though I left full, I had legit FOMO for what I was unable to order and eat. That's how good this place was. Along with Diego today, we will meet Justin and Julie from Paso Robles Wine Merchant. They're on the far north side of the market walk. I've been hearing so much about these two for so long they're a husband and wife duo. Uh, they do food. They do wine. They got a wine shop. And so many industry people have been chirping about how great these two are. They're super popular with those in the know. And I can't wait to meet them, see what they've brought to drink and to feature and introduce them to you. I show up to Finca and we're recording inside this beautiful old house that really is now their beautiful new restaurant. Now, I'm always getting hit up for things to do, places to eat. So here you go. Hang in with my new friends, Pastor Robles Wine Merchant and Finca. So give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on round till the job is camped out in the trees, it will simplify good company. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you so much. All right. Well, this is so cool because this area, Paso Market Walk, has really kind of blown up. It's become very, very popular and very quick. So I kind of want to know what, when you describe it, and Julie, I'll start with you. How do you describe Paso Market Walk? It's a place where there's um, several different businesses that are doing from food to wine, beer, and a collective of different small businesses. Really, all of them are owner-operated, which is really amazing, and all kind of under this one roof where we're offering a variety of different things for people to come and experience. So tell me the story with you and and Justin and then the two of you to Paso. Well, we got married in Paso Rebels in 2016 and basically through the wedding planning process started trying to figure out how we could move here <laughs> from Los Angeles. So 
right after the wedding, we started just kind of trying to figure out how to relocate our lives and really wanted to start our family outside of Los Angeles. And, and we thought this would be such a great community. We now have a two-year-old daughter, so it's, 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 we're so happy to be here. But we bought our house here in 2018 and just um, made a big leap. Yeah, because both of you are completely different backgrounds, right? I mean, Justin, you were in finance, and Julie, you were a retail buyer for Macy's? Yeah. So two totally different things. And was Paso kind of like, let's just slow down, let's do something different? Yeah, I think we really were just looking to start our family and wanting to, exactly, um, find a community where we could set our roots in and really be be part of the community. What parts of LA are you guys from? Uh, I lived in Venice Beach. Um, Justin was in Sherman Oaks. Yeah, that's changed a lot. Oh my gosh, both of those places. Yeah. But Venice Beach, right? I mean, yeah. you must. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to raise a kid there. This is, I mean, really, really. No, how did you guys decide Paso, Justin? Well, it was really up to Julie. I didn't even know the area. <laughs> <laughs> on our first date, we went on a hike, and she told me she was going to leave LA, move to Paso Robles, and I couldn't even hit it on the map. But as soon as coming up here, I fell in love with it, fell in love with the community. And really, we wanted a place so we can, we can dive into our passion. Mine being food, my wife's being in the wine industry. So it was, a, it was a good entry for us just to come up here and get to know the area. I got to dive into the restaurant side, learn as much as possible, as quick as I can. My wife was over at Halter Ranch, learning the wine side. So luckily for us, like Paso is still accessible. It's still approachable. There's still you know, opportunities here. What was it about food specifically? When you guys thinking of putting your passions together to create a family business, what did that look like? Does it look just like Paso Wine Merchant does now? Yeah, it actually does. I mean, uh, the wine merchant speaks to our vision and our dream when we came up here. We saw an opportunity for a wine bar concept. We used to love going to wine bars in the city, a place where you can get a glass of wine, a bite to eat. And for me, the wine bar allowed me to explore my culinary side. I just wanted to bring fresh ingredients still be prepared to the table. We have a very vegetable forward menu. Um, we do oysters on the weekend. So it's just a creative outlet for us and a, and a way for us, like Julie said, to, to build with the community. Is it scary to feel like you're, you're getting into your passion, but you're also like, I mean, this is a business. This is, you know, we're, ride, we're lots riding on this. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot of work and we open just like Diego during, August, the pandemic. during the pandemic. So we all were just, you know, our eyes were wide open. Most of us were scared. We didn't know we wanted to do it, but we had the passion to jump into it. And luckily for us, uh, the local community here supported us 100% of the way. Yeah. So how was that to do that during the pandemic? What was that even like? Um, were there times where you would lay in bed, look at the ceiling and like, is this going to work? I mean, this might not work. Yes. Um, where I will never forget the lowest day of sales we ever did was in January um, about a year ago, 2021, it was during the shutdown and we did like $21 in sales that day. And we were like, maybe this isn't going to work. <laughs> they're, they're, they're being very kind. They said like Diego, like Finko opening up in the pandemic. They were in the middle of it. We, we didn't open until the back end. So we, I mean, they were a huge, huge resource for us. Uh, I probably was texting Justin like every other day being like, Hey, what do you do with ABC with this or with that? And so and they're being kind, but they, you know, they, they went through some of the tougher times for sure. Well, we, we, um, we're so lucky to have, um, mentors and friends in the community and the Terezis being one of them, Brian and Steffi. And she kind of related to us during that. She said, you know, I remember when we opened Eto and we did $8 one day, we sold one box of pasta and she's, you know, they've been able to build such an amazing company, um, and so we just were like, okay, we're, they, they did it. We can do it. Like this community is so supportive and that's what keeps us inspired. Yeah. And what a weird time, Diego, like you said, I mean, you guys were just a little bit after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell your story a little bit. You and your wife um, moved here. Were you, were you from here? Or how did- so uh, my wife, Cecilia, is from Santa Cruz, kind of between Santa, Santa Cruz and San Jose. She'd go back and forth. Uh, and then my family's from L.A., but we moved up to Napa when I was about 10, so 2003 or so. And a lot like everyone else's story, and obviously like Julian Justin's, you just try to figure out a way to stay here. Uh, you know, so we went to Cal Poly, and that's where I met my wife. And we got married in 2019. 
Um, and we just were like, we can't leave this place. We have to stay. So I actually got a job with Oracle headed back down south. And, and, my, and Cece got a job with Duckhorn. So we were actually kind of going in different places. Um, and, and I'm so happy she chose the wine route because she's great at what she does. But at the same, just a few, right before I actually signed my lease to start at Oracle, um, I, the Stolo family in Cambria offered me the GM job. It was very risky for them because I was not in that kind of state. But they were, they were very, very kind. And so... I, it was not a hard decision for me to, you know, it's like I said, we're just trying to find a way to stay. So I got to go up there. It's so interesting you put it that way because I totally feel what you're saying. Because in 03, when I moved here, it was for radio. Mm-hmm. And, you know, normally in radio, you're like jumping from market to market every couple of years with the idea. And I like you guys were from Southern California, from Agora Hills, which is like northernmost LA County. And how do I stay? Yeah. How, how can I figure out? A radio broadcasting, you know, kind of this yeah. sort of thing, but stay here. Yeah, it's it's almost not as like a, I want to. It's like I need to stay here. I hear you. Yeah, and and I think growing up in and people ask me all the time. I get the question like, "What did you like more, LA?" Because I did LA for ten years, though a younger age, and then Napa for ten years. And they're like, "Oh my gosh, you must have, you know, which one do you like more?" And I, I by far the Central Coast. And and that's not a shade towards either location, Napa or LA. It's just it's like a perfect mix of both. You have like perfect weather here. The people are just so kind. The food scene is coming up. You know, the wine scene is here and only getting better. So it's it's fun. So like, yeah, we, it's it's not a want. It's a need to stay here. When you think about it, like Justin, do you think if you went to another other area and started, you know, think of a pandemic with a restaurant for crying out loud, that you've been able you'd been able to do it in another place. I mean I want to be optimistic and say yes, but it would be it would have been a challenge. Really from the onset, it was Paso that allowed us to do this. Just getting the resources to as we talk about wine, you know, and trying to build a wine list, if if we didn't meet the people that we met along the way meet the food vendors to allow us to access through the farms, through the oysters, and so forth. It wouldn't have allowed us to kind of build the program that we did. So the great thing about Paso is you're one person away from getting the help that you need. And it's been like that since day one. Uh, We're always looking for new and exciting wines to put in the menu. Uh, We're always asking questions, who do you know? And it leads us to finding cool, interesting wines that we can put into our shop. Julie, what's the take on wines? We start with local and sustainably farmed. Those are kind of like the main focus of what we wanted to open with. And that has really also smaller distribution. And there's a lot of winemakers here that do their own private labels, or there's a lot of us people that are in production at wineries that, that are making their own wine. Diego's wife is a perfect example. Um, and it's just fun to be able to bring in, like, support and bring in um, these really cool wines that are being made locally from people that don't have tasting rooms and don't have a place to really sell their wine other than, you know, on their own website or Instagram. So it's been kind of turned into that as well. Um, and then, of course, uh, because there's so many winemakers in industry um, here, we carry a small selection of um, imports as well. You need to have the Frenchies. Yeah. <laughs> Got to have the Frenchie stuff. Keep them happy. So um, I'm curious to hear, like, where your palate's at, what you're into. What did you bring today? Uh, so we have eight different wines on tap, always from all Paso. Um, so we have Epic Rosé. Um, we have the Union Sacre uh, Riesling at Sea Oliver Vineyard um, Riesling from Edna Valley. And then um, our dear friend Molly Lomborg's uh, own private label wine that she um, made called Little Soul, and it's her 2021 Carbonic Pinot Noir. Diego, I'm curious, what is your take on the wine? Yeah, so it's, it's actually almost born out of a... Uh, if you were to go into the kitchen, it's, it's, we, it's, it's quite small for storage. So it, people are like, oh my gosh, you have such fun wines, like, and you, you rotate through them so quickly. It's really born out of necessity because we can't store too many wines. Um, but a fun thing for me is I just bring in things that I like to drink, um, which tends to be high acid, um, crisp, low alcohol wines. Stuff and, good with food. Stuff great with food, especially Mexican food. So I bring in, you know, I've had like uh, Austrian stuff. I've, you know, we're going to drink a Pinot Blanc from Germany today. Um, and then also anything from Union Sacre. Uh, but we've carried, I just a few days ago listened to the Riley and, and Maggie podcast, which is, I was cracking up the whole they time. Want a shit show oh there, huh? my gosh, so <laughs> funny. Uh, so we've, we've carried Riley, uh, you know, her Chardonnay. And we just finished actually a round of uh, an Alta Kalina bottle, which was awesome. So both of their wines, is, I mean, are just yeah. fantastic. They are, and they're just like, and something that I love that they said too is like, they like to support businesses that support businesses, and it's, we feel the same, I'm, I, all three of us could say that, you know, and there's just, 
at, at any time, I only have about six wines by the bottle, by the glass on my list, much smaller, obviously, than Justin and Julie's. But half of them will always be Paso, and half of them will be, I think, people in Paso and people in the industry also, like what they said, they want to drink things that they might not see. So that's why I'll bring in a Pinot Blanc, or I brought in a Chocolina, which was a lot of fun. So it's, and it's, for me, like, uh, tasting with a gentleman named John, who is a rep for Revel, um, Gosh, he's like just I I just like to bring him in just so he could talk to me about wine and and just like the learning and yeah oh it's awesome so and mm-hmm. then off the air we're like you know it's hard for you to kind of put a finger yeah. on your cuisine yeah why is that and in the end what do you call yourself well I you know when we, people walk in and and you know I kind of mentioned off there like the hardest question for us to answer is what kind of food do we do and the easiest thing for us but that makes no sense to anyone else that doesn't know us is we just make food that we ate at home so my dad went to culinary school uh, when I was about 8 or 9 years old uh, and so he's just like this little five, seven, five, eight dark Mexican man that is classically trained in French food so it's awesome yeah that's just we, we always try new things obviously there was always like a Hispanic heritage just ingrained in us obviously you know when it comes to salsas and some of the more like sasson um, but you know, we have things like romesco, or we also have things, we have Spanish octopus on our list uh, that's wood-grilled. So it's, it's hints, I think. We try to, I, I even, I don't even like saying this word, we try very hard to stay away from the word fusion. Um, not because we agree with it or disagree, but uh, it's almost kind of like that, again, on the last episode. It just seems to imply certain, it's, right. Yeah, it's almost like natural winemaking, where like it is oh, just see, this like, right. very intangible thing that like it's kind of mercurial, and no one really knows what it means, and so we stay away from that. Um, so, yeah, I would describe our few food with a lot of Baja, Sonoran, and Oaxacan influences, but then also being very, very Californian in just terms of freshness and, you know, the quality that we, we like to bring in. Yeah, talk about some of the items here, because we were here, um, Odds and I were here on Friday, mm-hmm. and, oh my God, the oysters, for Thank sure. The oysters is like straight up crack. Yeah. They are really <laughs> something. We put that in the, in the yeah, recipe, yeah. 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 It's like... What is that butter that you're putting in there? So we do a, we, uh, to order, we shuck them fresh, and yeah. then we put a chipotle butter. Um, and no, but when do you put in the fentanyl? Where does that come into the process? It's right before you have <laughs> it, actually. <laughs> I mean, they're that addictive, and you know, yeah. we were splitting them, and we're like, oh my god, like, yeah. it's not enough. And they are a little bit wood-fired, right? They are, yeah. So that's where the Sonoran influence comes in. Um, my grandma's from Sonora, so it's actually our logo. Uh, most people ask, like, oh, did you ha- do you have the flower inlay? on the logo because this was actually an old hometown nursery in Paso. So, it, and it actually, it ended up working out that way, but it's not, it's actually an apricot mallow and that grows uh, in the Sonoran Desert. So just kind of like a little kickback to my grandma and her influences yeah. in, in our life and, and obviously her cooking. Um, and the fish tacos, al pa- duck al pastor. Yeah. so we do a duck al pastor. Good God, yeah. that was incredible. Some of the more popular dishes are definitely going to be uh, the carne asada taco. We do, yeah, the Baja fish taco. Uh, Doc Al Pastor, and then burritos. Your, your wife was so cool. She came up, and it's interesting because, like, she's not. I mean, she's this is not her job job. Mm-hmm. She's got a, a job job. Yeah, yeah. She's an enologist over at Booker Vineyards. Right, yeah. but by all accounts, I mean this is a family yeah. oh, affair. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she's over here. I saw her busting tables, yeah. and um, but she was talking about the nacho cheese and what you do here. It's a little different. But she said, and I just remember the way she put it. She's like, I drink it. Yeah, well, she does. Yeah, no, she, she literally does that. Uh, yeah, so we start with, we call it nacho cheese, and it, and it is, but uh, we make everything in-house. The only thing that we don't is tortillas, which we would like to do someday. It's just so much. We need, like, a 97-year-old Mexican woman back there, and we just can't find one right now to, to just make the tortillas. <laughs> uh, but we start with uh, roux, you know, just uh, flour and butter, and just cook that down, and then we turn it into a bechamel, and then from there we blend uh, Tillamook sharp cheddar into it. So it's and we make it you know fresh every few days. So it's it's addicting. It's it's very good. We put it in our breakfast burritos too. So it's a little too. Oh yeah. my god! Yeah. Where else do you have like a nachos dish or? Yeah, so we call it a chip salad, which is like uh, definitely my dad's humor. Yeah. Um, and uh, we joke that it's zero calories, so that's why you can order it. Um, but yeah, so it's it's called chip salad, and you can add steak, pork belly. Uh, we do our own pork belly in house as well. Uh, we brine it, braise it, um, and toss it in chili verde the sauce. Or you can do grilled chicken. Uh, and so it's just it's one of those great things. Yeah, and then we kind of just we started doing breakfast burritos not too long ago, and we put a little bit in there as well with some uh, house cured ham that we do. So it's fun. Wow. Now you know Justin and Julie. When it came to like the cuisine, is it just like? Diego, like, hey, I know this is what we like. This is what I remember maybe growing up or what our family was about. Or are you kind of looking at some of the places around, like, what 
What don't we have? What do we have? How did you kind of play that? Yeah, so a lot of a lot, little, little bit of both. Um, I do not have a culinary background. I didn't go to culinary school. Definitely have a passion. You know, my financial days, I would walk by Cordon Bleu and just be inspired. Where by Diego's dad went. <laughs> there you go, right there in Pasadena. And just be inspired by the cuisine. Uh, or just seeing people cook in the restaurants. So simply what we do here is we curated a menu that is kind of all-encompassing. We're a vegetable-forward menu. So for some people, they ask, what does that mean? We are a vegetarian restaurant. We serve oysters, but that's it. So there's no meat on our menu. So you can get a cheese board. You can get, currently right now, we're featuring Mighty Cat Mushroom Toast, which is doing really well with the mushroom risotto. We've got a kale pesto pasta that's been on the menu since the beginning days. Uh, we do a kale pesto using Edo Trombe pasta. And then in front of us right here, we have two of our grilled cheese sandwiches. Uh, the first one over here that you tried, Adam, is our classic artisanal grilled cheese. It's got a five-year-aged Hooks cheddar. We blend in there a little bit of... Holy cow from Central Coast Creamery right here in Paso. And then it's on a local sourdough bread, and we serve it with a side of homemade tomato jam. Okay, what's the secret or your way of getting to what's on this plate? Because, I mean, it's perfectly melted, completely perfectly browned, perfectly crunchy. Cheese to bread ratio is good. Are you, is, is it just like we make it at home? Is it just butter? I've heard some people use mayonnaise. What is like the secret that you can share about how this dials in so well? I mean, it sounds so cliche, but you just cook with passion and love. And, you know, it's a simple grilled cheese, but we cook everything with intention. Yeah. And probably, where, where's the bread? You're, where are you getting the bread from? Yeah, so the bread's out of Los Osos from Sasquatch Bakery. We're lucky enough to have them come all the way up to the Templeton's Farmer's Market. So every, every Saturday, I go there with, uh, we have a two-year-old daughter, Georgia, and she's been going with me to the oh, market yeah. since she was six months old. So she's a fan over there, and everyone loves her. And we go and we pick all the produce up. We pick up the bread. And it just gives that. It's a sourdough bread with just enough uh, you know, saltiness to it that really allows the bread to shine. What does Justin do well, Julie? How is he falling into his own that you're proud of? I'm just proud of the way he runs the menu. It's just fresh ingredients, simply prepared, but it's all focused on local and like working with farmers and collaborating. We, we collaborate with friends, too. Like tomorrow we, we're doing a Spanish tapas and pinchos dinner, and we've got a guest chef coming in and cooking on this amazing 14-course um, dinner uh, that we're going to pair back to some Spanish wines. and So just collaboration and just sourcing ingredients that are that are fresh. What are some of the dishes that you feel like customers are starting to know you for? For sure, the grilled cheese, definitely. Um, I think that's our most popular. Oysters always sell out every weekend. We, we do oysters on the half shell, just fresh um, from Royal Bay Oyster Company. And then, believe it or not, this sounds so basic, but we do a kale salad. Then, like, it's people come weekly just to get the kale salad. What are you putting in it? Roasted kombucha squash, um, smoked paprika almonds, um, some purple cabbage. Um. It's got kale, and the dressing's really simple. It's just a simple garlic lemon dressing, you know, and it's just about showcasing the ingredients in the dish. Do you guys still have the white bean panzanellas? Yes. Oh, that's... that's <laughs> that was your, yeah. I, I, I think I go, your dad, your yeah. dad ate that every day. For I go with a new intention months. to get something different every time, and I never do, because I'm like, okay, I'm going to get something different. I'm going to get something different. And I look at it, and it just stares at me, and I'm yeah. like, that's what I'm going to get every time. Yeah. It's oh, so totally. good. When you have a place that you really like, and it's like really special, they, they do a dish that well. It's amazing. It's tough to veer off it, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can think of some restaurants. I feel like when we come up here, I'm like, it's going to be hard to like stay away from the duck out past door. Stay don't, away from the oysters. To. You don't have to stay away from <laughs> you know, Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> so you have more, Julie, than just a bar, right? Because I've been in there, and it feels like it's this, this hustling and bustling vibe. It's a really cool vibe in the Paso Wine Walk. And you're at the far north end of it, yes. if I'm not mistaken. Yep. And you got more than just this bar, right? Do you have a place to do, obviously, a, a dinner for X um, amount? Yeah. Or? We have a bar that seats about uh, 14 people, and then we have an adjacent area kind of right next to where our wine bottle shop is, um, which is a seating area as well. So it's a wine bar, it's a wine shop, and a kitchen, a restaurant. Because you guys are relatively new, Mm -hmm. you guys are probably always thinking of ways to improve, to pivot, get better. Diego, what were some things of late where maybe you're talking to, you know, CC, maybe the family, and saying, hey, you know, this has done well. Let's see if we can either add into this or you know evolve into that yeah i think uh one thing that we can definitely take out of like justin and julie's book is doing like things to promote community growth and i think they do such a good job like the winemaker wednesdays are so fun and we you know it's 
sucks because we're a little slower on Wednesday, but it's also great because I can sneak over there. <laughs> and so one thing we'd like to do, and so you know, I'm sure a ton of whiny people listen to this stuff. Um, so for all you winos out there, we would like to, within the next like month or two, we're closed on Sundays and Mondays. And so something I've kind of talked to Justin a little bit about, but something that we've had a lot of discussions with my family is doing a day that we're closed and just opening up the restaurant doing like 25 to 30% off for other wineries and other restaurants in the area as, as a thank you really uh, for supporting us and um, you know something that obviously we all know is tourism is going to make you a great restaurant but the locals are going to make you a restaurant that stays um, and so it's something that I think we just want to get better at is promoting you know the community around here because so many people just support us um, that are locals that we see you know at least once a week and so I think we we want to and we need to get a better do a better job of just saying thank you back to those people in ways where'd the name finca come from yeah so my uh family actually uh works with coffee farmers down in oaxaca uh oaxaca is one of the most it's the second most southern state in mexico and uh, my dad's been working with coffee farmers up there for a long long time and they're actually called fincas um and so a finca is kind of a catch-all word um for any agricultural plot of land that has a house on it so if you actually look at Spanish vineyards, a lot of them are called fincas. Um, and yeah, so we just, we, and again, like we didn't pick the name before. We, mo- we were actually supposed to be in the Paso Market Walk. And uh, through deliberation, and, and Debbie was the owner of the whole building, was just so kind and so giving um, that we were able to make our way into this house that was actually built in 1890. Yeah, because I'm just going to ask you about the history yeah. of this house, because you literally had to bring it off its foundation oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and pull it closer to the street yeah. just so you, you wouldn't miss it. Because it's really something to behold. You have original moldings yep. and original yep. things all around it. Yeah. So, and that's one thing that, again, Debbie bankroll, thank God. Uh, it was on its stilts for, I don't even know how many years, about 50 yards back from the location right now. And they put it up, brought it forward, set it down, put a new foundation, and they said, hey, go at it. Design it however you'd like. And so, we use a great uh, architect, uh, M Plus, out of, out of uh, Silver Lake in LA. And, yeah, and we were just, we wanted to kind of just keep the originality and the beautifulness of this house without I mean, it doing looks, too it much. It still yeah. looks like a house. Yeah, and that's how we wanted to keep it. We didn't take out any of the walls. Um, it's all original foundation. Um, it's all just original redwood. It's gorgeous. Um, yeah. So for someone who hasn't seen it, first of all, just the outside, it's beautiful, but the majority of your seating, I mean, yep. maybe 75% of it oh, yeah. is outside. Yep, it is. We would like to eventually, the, the room that we're sitting in right now is the dining, well, if you can call it that, the dining room. It's yeah, quite right, small. Yeah. Uh, we <laughs> have, it's the main dining. It's it, the main indoor dining. It is. It's the only indoor dining. Yeah. And so uh, most of our seating is outdoors, but it is a covered porch, and we have uh, three overhead heaters, and we also don't, in Paso, you don't need heat too, too much. No, I would, yeah. we were plenty. Yeah take care of those overheaters like they yeah but we can see i think our i I, th- I believe the capacity is upwards of 92 people so it's it's for if you look at the house it's quite small but it just it really it it really sits a lot of people uh, how's the kitchen Ooh, small is yeah. It? yeah it's it's small and i think it's 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 proportioned weird uh and what i mean by that is it's a long kitchen so from where you're standing from the front to the back it's probably only eight feet uh, maybe 10 at the most, but it's a very long kitchen. It probably spans 30, 25 yards. Um, so that makes it a little difficult with, uh, with you know, having a walk-in in there and then storage-wise. But it works, you know, and then, like I said, a lot of the things that we do are built out of necessity. And like I said, we build, we make things fresh daily, so it's not like we need a lot of storage to, to hold food that we wouldn't rather keep anyways, right? So every day we're making new, so we're in here every day at 7, 6.30, 7 a.m. Justin, uh, what do you like about what Finca's doing? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give him $20 later. It's their, it's their soul. They put soul into it. It's something that we're attracted to in any place that we go to. We just want to make sure there's soul in the food. I love coming here, seeing the mom, the dad in the back, working in the kitchen, cooking, busting tables. It's a family business. They're mm-hmm. the nicest family. They're mm-hmm. so, so nice. I mean, there is something when there is soul behind it, the way something's produced. Yeah, absolutely. Keep doing what you're doing, Diego. Thank you. <laughs> and I always joke, I have the easy part. I just get to like smile and ring people up. My, you know, my dad, Patrick, and my mom, Stephanie, they bust their butts back there. And I, they were living a very nice life in L.A. And well, I, did they know that? I mean, they came up to, quote, help you. Did yeah. they know that? No, I trapped them. Yeah, yeah. I trapped them, yeah. No, they didn't. They had no idea. No, uh, I mean, they've run restaurants in the past, you know, and they have a successful restaurant up in Napa. Um, so it's our sister restaurant. And, you know, they've had some in the past. And, and my mom actually comes from a seafood distribution background with her family. There's a big, big 
business down in East LA. So they they're you know used to working hard. My mom raised four kids, and we're the four worst kids ever. So she <laughs> this is probably cake <laughs> compared to what she. How has. do you change the cuisine? Obviously, like you were in LA, yeah, and you're doing something in LA. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what the cuisine was there, and then obviously Napa, very different cuisine. Oh yeah, is this somewhere almost like in the middle? Like how would you describe what we're doing here? juxtaposed to what you guys did in the two other markets yeah so uh, the location down south that we actually well I, sh- I say we my parents actually inherited so it's called the Siete Maris um, there's still a few locations and Mariscos I mean classic classic LA Mariscos um, and then in LA it was my or I'm sorry Napa is my dad's and my mom's first first gig on their own it's called La Tequiza and it's it's pretty similar to the style of food it's more Baja based and, and California based where this was I think almost more of an expression of freedom for my dad and my mom where we got to just say, hey, you know what? We're not going to be bound. And kind of going back to that same question where it's hard for us to answer what kind of food we are because we, we're just like, you know what? This, we're just going to make what we like. And it, we're, it's going to stay within a vein, obviously. But it's fun, like the duck al pastor. I've never seen that anywhere else on a menu and something my dad just whipped up. And, and it's just, I think it's a, an artistic... A question I loved, actually, again, referring to the last podcast because it was so great. Everyone should go listen to that because it was so great. You asked about craft or art, right? And it, for my dad, it definitely is both and my mom, but it's, it's, it's an outlet, I think. It's an outlet for them to just be like, you know what? I've never seen this on a menu and I'm going to try my best to make this taste great. And we've had the duck. It's a special and we've had it on for almost two months because it's just, it's, we're selling it every day. When you come into a place and you're going to do Mexican cuisine, do you kind of, almost like I asked Justin earlier, like, do you stake the place out mm-hmm. and say, okay, what's the vibe with Mexican here? Do feel do people feel that there's a, a void or what can be filled? Or yeah. is it just like, hey, we're, we're going to come with it and like because of Napa mm-hmm. and what we got inside yeah. in our family, this is just what you're going to get, like no matter what. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's a mix of both. I know that's kind of a cop-out answer, but I think it's a mix of both. We, you know, I've been in the area for almost 10 years and for me, it was less of a Mexican because there's a lot of Mexican obviously around here, but there wasn't a lot of seafood. And I think we do grilled shrimp, grilled octopus, and we do uh, grilled oysters as well, right? And then we grill a few. We do obviously uh, mighty cat mushrooms are amazing. They're local mushrooms here in Paso, and so we grill those, and that's our veggie taco. So we we see a need, but for me, it was more financial where you can get a great meal for five bucks, and you can get a great great meal for 150 bucks here. But there wasn't really anything in Paso that you could go and just spend 20 to 25 bucks for a beer and, and a meal. And so for me, it was like, I, why is that not here yet? And so that's something we really try to pursue. And then it just happened to be Mexican um, in kind of a different light. Um, so yeah, that's... Do you do your cuisine in like bigger fashion, let's say mm-hmm. if a winery wants to have you out or yeah. lunches or things like that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. We have in the past. We do more like trays of food. We're not... We, we're, we're careful to never turn people away but we are also we're not a caterer and and that takes a certain kind of equipment that we just don't have um but yeah we've done a few wineries in the past um you know for friends or for you know clients that are just big fans and obviously support us a ton like going back to that trying to give back to the community and, and pushing ourselves a little more than maybe out of our comfort zone and so we have in the past yeah but we would feed through uh harvest we fed epic every week booker uh every week so yeah we, absolutely we can be in a bigger facet yeah, nice winery's got nice taste. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> they're very nice. What about you, Justin? I mean, have you seen people with some interest? Like, hey, could we do you know fifty of these sandwiches for this or that? Or is that something that's a little bit kind of like, Ugh, I don't know if I want to go down that road. Well, like Diego, I mean, you want to talk about small kitchens? Oh yeah, I have a two hundred square foot kitchen, dish pit, mop, all in one space. We don't even have a hood, so we're very limited. But we do get interest when we first open. Um, we open up the gate. We sell cheese boards. And, you know, in the very beginning, um, there was a local winery here that wanted to pick them up. And so we, we did that for a little while. And then we realized it was a little bit too much for us to keep up with. But we do dinner. So, you know, uh, we're big, big fans of Carolyn Santos from Il Cortile. Oh, yeah. Secha, and, and we did their uh, employee appreciation dinner in the beginning of uh, last year. Which is really nice. So we can operate up between 20 to 25. Um, What'd you cook for dinner for Santos and their group? <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. They're asking you to do dinner for them? Well, that's what I said. And that's a, yeah, whole, that's mean, a whole other podcast about our, our relationship there. No, uh, we're going to get to it in this podcast, Justin. <laughs> you didn't know that? Oh, we're getting into it. Well, we wanted to highlight what we did. In fact, talk about grilled cheese love. Uh, Carol is in love with our artisanal grilled cheese. I think she spoke about it on one of her, the podcasts with uh, Chris Cherry. Right. 
That's right. Oh, cool. So okay, it right, was yeah. the grilled cheese that kicked it off. And so we wanted just to feature what we were featuring at the time at the restaurant. So we opened up with oysters for everyone. Did a rustic kale salad. We did our kale pesto with a scallop on top. And then we partnered with uh, Just Baked, the bakery, inside the Paso Market Walk. And they helped us with the dessert. How important have those relationships been with those people like, you know, Carol Santos or, you know, he mentions like the Epics or the wineries that show you love. Obviously, I mean, you're showing them some love. We got Epic on the table and we got both of you guys have Union Sacre. We'll get into these wines coming up. But how important are these relationships to how everything goes? I mean, I think it's everything. The Paso community here is strong and we all support each other. And so it's a business that's built on who do you know? Where are you going to go? You go to a winery, they're going to tell you, you got to go to this restaurant, hit this place up, go by the Paso Market Walk. So it's important just to uh, you know, build the relationships in town. Do you collab with any other folks within the Market Walk? Yeah, we've, we've done a dinner with Brittany and Mateo um, from Momotoro Ramen. We did like a special like wine and food dinner with them. Um, we try to, anytime we do a dinner with dessert, we try to bring in just baked We'd love to collaborate with everybody. Yeah. <laughs> so how does the Winemaker Wednesday go? Like every Wednesday you'll pick one of the folks that you've got on your list? Um, yeah, it's, it's actually... Is it a seasonal thing or how do you do it? No, it's, it's every month. It's the second and fourth Wednesday of the month. Huh? And um, we, it started like organically. It's not obviously an original idea. People have done it forever, but um, it was COVID and one of the winemakers came to us actually um darren delmore and he said Isn't he great I, yeah. he said i just made a bunch of wine i want to release can i can i have like a winemaker night? i don't know that's how it started that's, how that's it awesome started. that's so cool yeah, that's great props uh, to him for getting out yeah. there i mean his wine's good it's yeah. always getting better too yeah great. he's a really cool guy it's so cool and he's an author too good family we have, yeah we've read all of his books so uh-huh. they're really entertaining you haven't seen Diego? no no yes. I, I know he comes in and he only orders uh bean and cheese burritos yeah uh, really so yeah well, like, literally just bean and cheese like he's a taco bell oh yeah just bean and cheese burritos you yeah. gotta try it that's yes. what we ordered too that's really good kind of how they were saying like they're like oh it's kind of silly like one of our more popular items is a salad for us it's the bean and cheese burrito yeah. um like tyler russell uh comes in an insane amount and he that's his like go-to uh and then darren whenever he, when i see him walking up i mean is that on the menu or you're just oh, saying no, no, hey, it's just... on the menu yeah oh, it, it is, okay. yeah it's on the menu and whenever i see darren walking up i'm like all right put on two tortillas he's probably gonna get two <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's great i'll have to get that next time that's great yeah Interesting that you guys both have some love for Union Sacre, one of my favorites, too, in Tin City. Oh, yeah. Uh, does some fantastic wines, plays with fruit from all over the place, in addition to Paso. The white that we have in the glass is their dry Riesling? Uh, it's the Oliver's Vineyard. He was nice enough to ke- put it in kegs, especially for us. So You guys um, all off tap over there? Eight, eight by the glass on tap, and then we also serve other wines um, by the glass that are not on tap but yeah we have four white and four red how clutch are those right it's i mean it's really fun it's fun to pour wine on tap i think that's like one of the things that that's so great about it is that it's fun but then it's also sustainable because you're not pouring through all those bottles um and it really preserves the wine and keeps it fresh too and you're not yeah. wasting right right from a customer wine. standpoint it's like i'm not getting maybe the last glass of a bottle you opened up 2 days ago even if you cast it or whatever, it's like it's always fresh wine. Yeah. And we have winemakers come in and like try their wine off the tap and they're like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's cool. What is the next wine that we're going to get into? Would it be the Syrah or would it be Molly's? Oh, no, we didn't we do a, the, the rosé. Yeah, we have a rosé there. It's going to be Epic Rosé. Is this the 21 or what? It's, uh, I think this is the 20. 20? They cool. haven't released the 21 yet. And this is just, it's sold out in bottle, but again, we have the we have it in case. Yeah, if you do see the Epic Rosé in bottle, it's a beautiful bottle. It looks very unique to, uh, compared to other bottles of rosé. It's modeled after Tempier, oh, right? And they've done tastings where this one, I mean, it's it just grabs you, you know, and you, you pick it over and it's pretty exciting. I like that it's a blend, too. It's a blend of three different varietals. Morved, Sarang, what's with the other? Yeah, you're right. Morved lead. Yeah. How did you find the, the um, Epic folks? We love to support women winemakers, so we love Jordan. But actually, um, Audrey, I think, is the one that came to me and said, you know we have wine and keg, because, again, it was during COVID. And they were like, we kegged this wine for like a, a party that's never going to happen, so do you want it? And I was like, hey, yes, we would love it. And that kind of just started the... Epic on keg yeah. for us. That's the cool thing about the keg program. Uh, we recently did a collaboration with Cordon and Nell. Julie went over there, barrel tasted some wines, and now we have a Cordon Cuvée on the on the tap system. Heck yeah, like a, a blend? Yeah. yeah. What's it a blend of? 
It's mostly Syrah with some Grenache. That's great. Yeah, he's a character too, isn't he? So much fun. So fun. Yeah. We had him in one of the earlier episodes of the podcast with, um, I want to say separately, but it was the same episode as Edgar, I want to say, from mm-hmm. Bodega de Edgar, and Edgar Torres. But he's an awesome guy. Yeah. Tyler's a great guy. Yeah, he's. we have his private label in the shop too, which is Lady Amherst. He makes mm-hmm. a Shannon um, and a Rosé from under his own private label. And yeah. then Edgar is actually making us a custom wine right now. As that's a, pretty cool. Carignan, yeah. And that's hot right now. Carignan's pretty hot right now. That's pretty cool. How did you get into that? Just by chance, yeah. It's just Edgar <laughs> being in the bar one day. <laughs> Isn't I that cool started. that you wouldn't even know? You'd just be like serving these people wine in the industry yeah. that, you know, the conversation goes the right way. You're going to steal something new. Yeah. yeah. So it just, honestly, it just came about by one by conversation, something we, we want to start getting more into. So, and we went over and just did some barrel tasting with him, um, and he's going to make us some Carignan. I mean, it almost sounds like they're coming to you for these now. Like, it's like they go in there, they're a fan of your place, and they're like, hey, Jules. They call you Jules, and they really know you, right? <laughs> I, <laughs> people call me Jules, yeah. Do they really? Uh-huh. Hey, Jules, so maybe we should uh, throw down a little, like, something special here or whatever. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm always open to it. I mean, we love that. We love to to just continue to showcase different winemakers and celebrate the winemakers here and the farmers and we love collaborating yeah justin what does uh julie do well over there what are you really proud of that's uh, evolved with paso wine merchant well you'll know when you come to the bar and you meet her she's a charm it's <laughs> a lot of blushing going on a lot of blushing going on right now oh <laughs> no she's just great with people she loves people she yeah loves serving the customers she loves sharing her passion for wine she loves the relationships and, you know, it's just to work together because, you know, we work together. Yeah. And we wake up together. We go to sleep together. You raise a, a human being and together. we have a two-year-old <clears throat> together, so we, it's, it's all encompassing. What was the last thing you guys argued about? I don't remember. I don't know. Really? You guys are too good. That's so cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, we were hanging a painting up in the bar just before we came over here. Oh, <laughs> I was yeah. like, where do you... <laughs> We really love what we do. So it's really like, even though it's challenging. It doesn't feel like it's work. really like we're so passionate. We, we left, you know, other industries to do this. And we, this is what we, this is where our passion is. So we're so happy to be doing it. What were you, uh, what do you miss about the financial industry, Justin? Definitely not sitting at a desk for, our, you know, 10 to 12 hours a day. I mean, security is one thing, but, you know, once you let go of all of that and you can embrace the unknown and uncertainty and, and you just see the fruits of your labor. One's, are, one's predictable. Yeah. And, and the other one is just full of so much more emotion. Well, it seems like one's really like on paper and very methodical. But with what you're into now, it's so much like it's so much more free flowing and your heart is leading the way and your passion, what you're learning. I mean, it's got to be just night and day. That's so cool. Yeah, we have way more flexibility. Not so much from a time standpoint because we work nonstop, but you get you get more flexibility in, the, in your choices at the end of the day. What about you, Jules? What do we? Uh, <laughs> what do you miss from maybe what you were doing before? You were a buyer for a huge retailer, and then maybe what talents you did that for? You know, almost twenty years. What talents did you bring from that that you feel you know help you in what you and Justin are heading up here? I loved my job. I love my career in fashion. Um, so I definitely miss, you know, traveling to markets and things like that. So yeah. you would go to different places and buy clothes that yeah. Macy's would sell. Yes. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. So like <laughs> so you, that was fun. you were like hired to be like Macy's taste. Well, yeah, I, I guess it's a buyer's job is to, yeah, select product that other people are going to buy. Ultimately. Yeah. Um, so that was really fun and I enjoyed it. But I think really the, just the fundamentals of running a business and what it means to look at sales and profit and build an assortment and volume drivers versus, you know, um, like special pieces that need to be in the assortment. We kind of, I kind of look at the way we, we run our business now with this wine, obviously and food, but all of those components of we, I put into the business plan. Yeah. It's cool to see the similar. Yeah. It's really cool to see the similarities and then some of the differences and like having both of you here, like Finca and Paso mm-hmm. Wine Merchant, because obviously Julie with the wine, Justin with the food, and you're kind of a little bit of a combo there because obviously you're here, mm-hmm. the food's important and it's, and it's the family yeah. and everything that's kind of, you know, the backbone of it. But I mean, I was talking to Cece on Friday when we were hanging out and like the wine is certainly a centered spotlight of a passion for you. And, yeah. and she said a talent of yours. 
Well, yeah, I think it's, it's like I said, it, it goes back to being selfish because I just bring in things I just want to drink. And so if a, if a bottle goes missing, I have no idea where it goes. <laughs> um, but it's, it's, yeah, it's fun. I think wine is ingrained in food. And I think also one of the things, when you think of Mexican food, you don't think of, or whatever we are, you don't think of wine necessarily. You think of, I want a Corona, I want a lime with it. And so for me, I was like, you know what? It's just, I want something that kind of, I think it's just another way for us to be set apart in that way. We're, we're going like, we're, we're to bring in two champagnes. We're going to bring in an $82 champagne bottle um, that people can get, you know, and, and a Blanc de Blanc and a Premier Cru. And we're going to bring in, you know, Riley's, um, you know, Chardonnay by the bottle. So it's, it's a way to, I think, give back to the community, but then also just for us, like, to continue to learn. And, and, uh, and we do have a wine background. I was in wine, and, and my wife still is. So it's, it's important to us. Okay, how do you ride that line of, like, okay, I just met, you know, fill in the blank, this winemaker, mm-hmm. they came in, I love their wine, I'm going to bring them in. Or, or like, I loved asking this question of, like, Carol and, you know, maybe Debbie Thomas and mm-hmm. some of the folks who have been doing it for a while here and have are so ingrained in the wine industry mm-hmm. with their culinary expertise that it's like, how do you decide, like, how many locals I'm, I'm going to bring in? And, yeah. I mean, because it's pretty finite, especially yeah. for you. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, like I said, we, we bring in about two cases of everything. I've never brought in three cases of more than one wine. And I've, uh, with the exception of the Prisquil Rosé, because it's so, so good. Yeah, totally. Um, I've never brought in anything twice. Um, and so for me, it's, I think people, I'm just honest with people. If someone comes in and says, hey, I would like to start this relationship with you. Um, you know, how can I get on your list? And I'll just be completely honest with them. I'll say, hey, you know what? We have a very specific way that we like to bring things in. And if I don't bring you back in, it's, it's not because I have anything against the wine. It's just something that there's so many wines out there. So why limit ourselves to, you know? The same wine over and over and over. What again. are you noticing? People are obviously when people come to visit here, mm-hmm. they want to try wine from the backyard. Yeah, and then you got the industry here yeah. who is a lot of times desiring to try things outside the backyard. Yeah, but it's so funny because you have a lot of Paso winemakers who are excelling with fruit in addition to oh, their yeah. Paso fruit. Oh yeah, I mean Union Sacre is a great example. I yep. mean you're going to find you know um, here's Edna Valley Syrah. You're going to find you know maybe Bienvenido Pinot Noir, mm-hmm. and a lot of these folks are playing with say Santa Barbara County, yeah. maybe even Monterey County fruit. Are you noticing a lot with the buyer that like a, either the millennial or even Gen Z in the way that they're caring a lot? about where this came from, what it's about, maybe more than, way more than I think the previous, really concerned with the whole story. Like, I want to know the cow's name, you know what I mean? Yes, yeah, definitely. And we see more interest in, like, natural style wines and um, just wines that are low intervention, I guess, um, where there's nothing added into it, or like wild yeast, native yeast, um, unfined, unfiltered, you know, all of that, pet nuts, and those are all really fun things that are happening right now. It's kind of trending. So what's this one? Is this the Molly Lomborg one? Yeah, and this is a perfect example. It's a carbonic Pinot Noir. Heck yeah. Where does the fruit come from? So Molly and her husband live um, out in the Adelaide, and they farm this little vineyard um, that grows Pinot Noir. And so for whatever, (laughs) Pinot's, I guess... A lot of people aren't buying from Paso. So this particular one, um, so this it's a story this year. Um, the winemaker from Calcarius went to farm their vineyard, and because the yields were so low this year, he ended up taking all the fruit. So Molly didn't have fruit, and so oh. she was looking around for Pinot um, and ended up actually calling the winemaker from Adelaida and buying fruit Pinot from him. <laughs> so oh, okay. he like, literally like swapped fruit. Oh, my God, no him. way. Yeah. yeah. Um, so usually they have it from its from their vineyard that's on the property they live uh-huh. on, but this year um, it was all sold, so she actually ended up buying Pinot back from him, from another vineyard. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What are some other things besides, like, the pet nats? And this is a great pick. I love this one. Thanks. Yeah, this is really cool. You're really good at picking out these wines. What are some other kind of maybe unique things that that you're feeling? The carbonic reds are fun. I think people are into those, right? Yeah, I think we're actually um, we're getting some carbonic Grenache on keg from Alta Kalina, so that's going to be coming up on tap soon. Um, and of course, it's a pet nut. Everyone's releasing their pet nuts now, so we have our first one that we just brought in, Scar the Sea, right now, is a Pinot Noir pet I think nut. it's the, it might be the best one. Yeah. Their pet nut. I mean, and I love the cider, too. You mm-hmm. know, the bottle-conditioned mm-hmm. cider. He's that's awesome. Wow. Well, you guys really curated something really, really special. How can people uh, learn more about what you guys are doing over there at... Paso Wine Merchant. Um, Instagram, um, Paso Rebels Wine Merchant uh, website. Um, we always have our, all of our special events up on the website. Um, and then our, just our email list. I send out emails about all of our events. 
that's it right now. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, Justin, what days are you all open over there, especially for dinner and stuff? Yeah, so we're open uh, Tuesday to Thursday from 11 to 7. We go a little bit late on Friday and Saturday at 8 p.m. for us night owl people. <laughs> and then we wind down on Sunday to 6 p.m. All right, cool. Anything crazy coming up that you were looking to maybe get into the kitchen with and play with? or? Well, we'll see. I mean, you know, right now... You know, the mushroom game is strong with Mighty Cat Mushroom. So which is, he's a local guy. Is that who, Chris? Chris Battles. Chris Battles. Yeah. He's a jeez. Also, so, he's the nicest guy ever, too. Oh, I love Chris. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll see. I mean, Knows we, the stuff. Yeah. I mean, we're just trying to you know, play around some concepts and ideas, and, and, and you know, we'll see what comes to the table. That's exciting. PasaRobesWineMerchant.com. Definitely got to get into this, Syrah. Diego, tell folks how they can learn more about Finca. Yeah, uh, I, through the Instagram, uh, I'm 27, I'm a millennial, uh, but I'm probably like the worst millennial ever with social media, so pretty, I don't have a Facebook. You're busy, dude. Yeah, well, yeah, I also just, like, I, anytime I touch a computer, I, like, break it, so I kind of try to stay, <laughs> stay away from that. Uh, so I, we don't have a Facebook uh, or anything like that, but yeah, uh, on our Instagram or our website is uh, fincapasarobles.com or just our Instagram is fincapasarobles. Everything's from scratch here. I mean, like you said, I mean, it's so cool. Yeah. I mean, like from the tortilla chips. Yeah, and the, it, like I said, if you know like a 97-year-old Mexican woman that makes mean tortillas, I'm going to send her my way. <laughs> well, it is officially out there. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for sharing the wine. Thank and you. Then, yeah, thank uh, you. Both of you, like Julie Justin, for sharing these great sandwiches. People got to come up and try the grilled cheese. It is killer. So good. It is so good. And then the food here, Finca. Thank you. Unbelievable. Thank you very much for sharing the cuisine. And, and can't wait for people to come in ask about you hopefully they heard you on the podcast and thanks to all of you guys for sharing where wine takes you thank Great you very much thank you so much cheers. cheers yeah thank you yeah that was a good time give me that moonshine we'll get by we pass on around till the job is camped out in the trees it will simplify good company Lots of fun chatting with the three of them. And if you want more info on the Paso Market Walk, all the folks inside of it, how you can even stay there, you can visit PasoMarketWalk.com. So this is cool. I heard there's an NFL player that came to Paso recently to do an internship at a winery. But not some like foo-foo, air quotes, internship. I mean like really get put to work. Making 18 bucks an hour, mucking out horse stalls, polishing glasses, pruning vines, and really learning the whole process along the way. So I was really interested in this story. So I'm excited on the next episode. We're going to meet Baltimore Ravens wide receiver James Prochet. We'll hear about his new love for wine, where it's taken him, and how his time in Paso has gone, and a lot more. I'm really looking forward to this next episode for sure. We're also going to meet Bill Armstrong, whose path crossed with James Prochet, but we'll interview him separately because he alone is a real American dream story to hear where wine has taken him. It's just so cool. And he's a geologist by trade, so he could literally have planted his vineyard anywhere on planet Earth. And why did he choose Paso? You're going to want to hear it. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer is Jen Bravo. The podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. Original music on Where Wine Takes You, good company, performed by my friends Moonshiner Collective. You can check them out on Spotify or log on to moonshinercollective.com. Make sure you visit PasoWine.com for any and all things, especially before your next trip to Paso, and follow Paso Wine on Insta at Paso Wine. You can also follow me on Instagram. I'm at Adam on the Air. And I always love to post things from the show there as well. Well, next time you're cruising around on the Central Coast, you can tune me in on your radio. My morning show, Up and Adam in the Morning, weekday morning 6 to 10 on Wine Country Radio, along with the Cork Dorks and more on the Crush 92.5. You can also stream that station, Crush with a K, crush925.com. We also got a free app right there in your smartphone. Well, I love connecting with you like this. Thank you so much for listening. I am your host, Adam Montiel. Until next time, glasses up, Paso for life, baby. And don't forget to slow down, enjoy, and share where wine takes you. And give me that sound get bowing fast on down till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good comfort. Give me that sound get bowing.
pass on until the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify and work on. Give me that moon sound. We'll get by. We pass on until the job is In the trees, we will simplify in good company. With that moonshine, we'll get by. We pass on round till the job is dry. Camped out in the trees, we will simplify in good company.